Thanks for joining us for another Meredith Monday. More to come. All right, Chris, we're back. We're doing it. It's good to be back, man. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this. This is crazy. All right, we're this is uh, Monday. It's Meredith Monday, but it's actually my Friday, and it's your Thursday. So we've got a lot of days going on. <laughs> it's an admittedly confusing. It's almost as confusing as the subservient Mosaic Covenant. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and we have talked about... Uh, some tobacco, so I'm not going to go there again. Um, what I did want to ask you, though, something that came to mind during my holiday, I thought, what a, what if five, if I put you on the spot, and I asked you for your five, you're going to live on an island, um, and you could only take five books with you. Oh, <laughs> what are they going to be? Can you do it? Hmm. And the the I'll give yeah the Bible's going with you right that's in another bag it's it's a given yeah right? it's a given you still got okay. five more yeah uh, Kingdom Prologue yes would um, you actually would you take it with you because to read it again and again because mm-hmm. you know it so well right now it's, <laughs> but I still keep I don't know. still new stuff in there right yeah it's a dense book a lot of stuff going on yeah all right um. Wow. <laughs> just going to leave it a kingdom prologue. No, uh, th- there's other stuff I would take, but I don't know how to pare it down to just five right now. It's uh, <laughs> a difficult question. Yeah. Uh, you know what I would do? I would, I would throw in Horton's systematic is uh, the Christian faith. Okay. I the, own it, but I have not finished reading it. Wow. Have you started? Yes. Have you read the, the, the first part where he talks about the, uh, the different categories, all you know, the stranger overcoming estrangement. Uh, you, you remember all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, totally. That's uh, <laughs> I uh, that had had me right at that point. I just the way he was bringing all that ontology in there, and you know, just just covenantal. You know, again, just talking about Klein and stuff. I mean, wow, it's just he's starting from this. Hey, it's um, it's a covenantal story, and the only way we know anything is by a covenant. I just love that part. That was my favorite. And I just love the way he weaves. That's the cool thing about the book. He just keeps weaving that story in the whole way through. Perfect. Someone said in some review that uh, it's just the perfect kind of postmodern thing in that we're all into narrative and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. less in dogmatics and that sort of thing. And he just, amazing. He just does that so well. He, he, um, he just weaves it right in through the most technical bits of doctrine as if it's this long, complicated story. Um, yeah, but it's great. I highly recommend. And that's a book that I've, I feel like I have read it. I've read it like I think three three times now, you know, in one shape. Wow. Yeah, like, it, you know, it sounds impressive, but it's more like I read it once through and then I sort of left it for a few years. And then we would just been through it with our eldership and have some little bits I didn't read during that time. And then I'm just sort of saying all the other little elements that I've read. I think I've, that that comprises of another whole. So you know, just over the just same prep and constantly going back to it and stuff. But yeah, okay. I just it's a go to. It's amazing. It's just uh, he, he nails it for me. Um, yes, I would take that. What? What else you got? Got to think of one more. You know, I think I would take Luther's commentary on Galatians. Would you? Wow. 
That's great. Totally. It's a good book. It is. It's, it's, oh, man. Yeah, it'd be good to read as well, just regularly. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. It's, um, wasn't that what Wesley was converted by or, or had his, his like warming of the heart experience? His, oh, his, uh, I think you're right. Yeah. His second blessing. That's where he went all. Yeah. And it's what, uh, Bunyan had in prison. Bunyan, totally. I mean, yep. It has affected a lot of different people. Yeah. It's almost like, um, uh, what's that martyrdom Fox's book of the martyrs, you know, it's, it's, it's like yep. that big. Yeah. That's a good point. I actually had no, Ooh, I might need six books now. Dang. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's good. Keep thinking about it. What, what else? Maybe while you think, let me just go ahead and say, I think you pre- I'm pretty sure you'd be able to get uh, that commentary for free online uh, somewhere. It must mm-hmm. be open domain. Um, there probably are a, a good, you know, a bunch of, of revised um, uh, or abridged or, you know, some, some guys have made it a little bit easier to read. So go check that out. If you haven't read through that, it's just powerful to read right through. And it's historically, it's just such an important book. Uh, anyone who cares about the Reformation should read that. Totally. Um, cool. What else you got? What are you thinking? Anything else by Klein? I might read God, on? Heaven, and Armageddon. Yeah, totally. I was about to say, like, you can't leave that out. It does, it's, like re- right. it's like reading a fuller, shorter version of Kingdom Prologue. You know, you just get more story and get quicker, you know? With with some fresh insight sprinkled in there. Mm. I mean, I remember him saying in class that Eden had been a mountain, but then he make, he makes the exegetical case for that in God, Heaven, and Armageddon. Yes, totally. And yeah, Kingdom Prologue doesn't, does it even talk about that in Kingdom Prologue? It doesn't, doesn't mention it. It, it might allude to yeah, it. Yeah, just very lightly, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Then for that reason alone. Oh man, that was mind blowing <laughs> for me. Oh boy. I I do. I, that's on my list. God, heaven, and Armageddon. And I just honestly, it's like, it's you know, I think he failed in terms of bringing it down. I think his mission there, he says in the in the preface, was to kind of make it accessible for for people. I don't know. It didn't feel very accessible. <laughs> you know, I just had a guy uh, at a at a church. You met him, Cody. He was a he's an elder. He was doing the sound back in the conference, and um, man, he he went through it. <laughs> And you could see it sort of got the glazed look about halfway through. He was just like, do I have to read the whole thing, Mike? And I'm like, yes, you, <laughs> yes, you do. This is the best book you'll ever read. And he's like, okay, all right, I'm reading. But um, yes, yeah, so I often recommend it. And, you know, I get a bit of a blank stare when someone reads through it. But, you know, ultimately, I think if they press on with what's going on there, it's mind-blowing. Man, it's so many well, little bits and bobs, yeah. Did you listen to episode 100 of the Glory Cloud podcast? No. What did you deal with? I, I remember you him. advertising that, and I'm like, oh, it's on my to-do list. I haven't got there yet, though. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what was that about? We interviewed his son, Meredith M. Klein. Oh, no ways. Cool. And it was very cool. And I think we got the answer to why he's so impenetrable. <laughs> and it's because he was an artist. No kidding. He was doing, he was doing poetry. Yeah. And if you're not in that poetry mode, it's just... Wow. It's a tough slog a lot of that's times. That's it. That's a great way. To, yep, that's exactly it. Just got that three-dimensional angle going on in his mind all the time and just, yeah, bringing it across. And he was just a very good – I know people give him a hard time in terms of the whole, like, um, hyphenated letter thing. But I find his command of of English just unbelievable sometimes. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, he he just knows what he – he knows exactly what he's doing with the language. You know what I mean? It's not like he's just writing that way because – 
you know, I'm out of stuff and I've just got to say it. a lot of theologians do that. They just focus on on content and get it across. But Klein knew how to say whatever he wanted to say. And he said it the way he wanted to say it. And it came through in this mind-blowing thing, which is, yes, yes it's odd, man. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, his, his son said that, you know, when he was uh, in high school and college, he would just go and take art classes just because he enjoyed it and that, you know, his dad was intentionally being a wordsmith when he wrote. Wow. And uh, so... Amazing. That's certainly not the case with, with your average theologian. No, not at all. Yeah, that's great. And it, again, just so. uh, coming back to Horton, that's one of the reasons I like Horton as well. I think he can do that. I think he is one of the few guys that actually writes well, you know, just as a good mm-hmm. good author. Um, the um, I, You know what I've just uh, bought as well? I haven't read it yet, but uh, I think you have. the the um, Those essays in in uh, memory of Klein or, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, just got, I just got it on Kindle. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. What, what is, um, I, I was kind of, I remembered what you told me though, the way, um, it sort of opens up with just saying like he was taking care of his wife at the same time and she was sick. And was that around the time he was uh, coming to you guys or in, in at Westminster? Well, um, we had the privilege of having him to our apartment twice for dinner wow. and he brought his wife with him. Okay. And now looking back, yeah. Um, it makes sense because she never spoke. Oh. And a couple of times I tried to ask her questions just to include yeah. her in the conversation and everything. And he would step in and answer for her. Uh. Um, and so, okay. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Shame. I mean, and that was while he was doing his PhD. Wow. I mean, dude, I don't even know how that works. I mean, so he was doing everything he was doing and truly helping out. And he had five kids. Is that right? Five? Three, three, three. Boys. Okay, three. Okay, that makes a little, well not much better. I got three. <laughs> I got three kids, and that's uh, that's chaos right there. Um, yeah. So man, wow, amazing. I feel like such a such a softy when I hear stories like that. I'm just like, you know, I feel like I can get blown over with a huff and a puff, and I'm all down. You know, uh, exactly. Man, just gotta harden up and get it done. Klein wrote freaking Kingdom Prologue. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> just suck it up and do what you can, man. Uh, anyways, okay, cool. So, w- yeah, would you put any of those essays in there, or in, in terms of the five island, uh, five book on island thing? Yes, uh, although I don't have it right in front of me. Um, I think Feast of the Coverover is in there. Okay, cool. Um, trying to remember some of the other essays that are included, but. Th- Having spoken to his grandson Jonathan, I think who helped um, put the book together, yeah, um, it's definitely a worthwhile collection. Oh, totally, man. Yeah, wow, very exciting. Because I had his Lagos collection pretty much, so it didn't include that, and so yeah, yeah just sort of awakened to the fact that there's another little book I need to buy. So that's great. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, just one more thought. Just I know that we um, uh, looked at the subservient thing. Um, Last week, technical that was a, a <laughs> half an hour ago for us, but uh, you know, as well for those listening, um, <laughs> yeah, so this time warp that we're in when we record these things. Um, but hey, uh, there was um, you know with Jesus, one of the things that just blew my mind with that. I don't know if you've heard this, and I'm not sure if it was Klein, but this is a major reason to get stuck into that subservient thing. 
I remember asking myself the question, this is like almost pre-reformed theology uh, for me. Uh, if, if Jesus is a Jewish man, right, under a Jewish law, and how does that help me as a Gentile when he keeps the law for me? I'm not under the law as a Gentile. You know, I, I'm just not, it's not really my story. And, you know, I had no, no system to solve that problem for me. One of the things I'm not, again, like it's just, it's just something that came out of that whole thing for me was just that if, if Jesus, as a Jewish man, was, was placed under a law that was intended to echo the law, you know, placed on Adam, oh my goodness, now all of a sudden it is my story. Because yep. to the degree that Jesus could show that he fulfilled um, the Mosaic law, he would show uh, essentially what he would show that he was fulfilling a, a law that we don't really have access to in that same way, you know. And uh, whatever that meant for God, it, it was just sort of communicating that he was uh, the last Adam, which is a whole lot more important for us in, in that sense. And uh, and yeah, all of a sudden you get interested in Jesus fulfilling the law, <laughs> you know, but you can't. You can't really, um, unless you, well, maybe it's less subservience and more just the uh, the republication thing, I suppose. Um, if, if, you know, and I know a lot of people don't like that idea of the republication of the Mosaic Law. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what you would say about that if you don't, you know? I mean, what what is the right. whole thing, you know? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, especially when you read... Uh, um, the early chapters of, of Romans, right? You're thinking this is a law for Jews. What does it have to do with me? Right, right, totally. <laughs> do you cover this in your book? I remember there being a section on this in your book. Yeah, now I'm struggling to remember where, but I mean, it, it's a it, it is a a pastoral concern. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, totally. You've got people that are wondering, um. Like, why is it relevant? I've Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, you know, I actually had, I'm pretty sure I had someone ask me this question. I, had, I remember um, either I preached a sermon or I was doing something, I don't know. Uh, and uh, and then I had someone, two guys talk to me. The one guy asked me about um, how it could be fair that um, Jesus dying um, could somehow, you know, he should die for his sins. Why is it fair that Jesus died for his sins? How is that fair in the sight of God? And I remember just going, oh, man, I don't know. I, I need to think about that. <laughs> Freaking out and having this, this moment. And then the other guy asked this question. He was he was just like, okay, so, you know, um, I see that if you were a Jewish man, this would be extremely relevant. <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm really having a – I just don't care about anything related to that culture at all. So what's the deal? And I realized, you know, that that although I had been taking it for granted, it wasn't coming through in what I was saying and it wasn't – you know, he was – he didn't have that framework and understanding. And I think what that, that certainly was one of the moments where I started to get more resolved and trying to bring through the bigger picture on almost – you know, as many texts as I could in preaching on, mm. on Sundays. Because, yeah, people just come th- come to the passage. They, they just have no idea. And a lot of the time you have to assume this stuff. But sometimes it's down to the nuts and bolts of why it's actually relevant for them. I mean, and it's a real stickler for them. And so they, they convince themselves that it's relevant. You know, they just kind of go, well, someone's got to figure it out. And this must be a good thing that Jesus was fulfilling the law. But, yeah, it's a niggly question for them. And, and uh, it's one thing to give an answer, and it's another thing to actually come to that understanding via this great big framework that pulls the whole Bible together. Mm. 
Cool. All right. So, hey, we've kind of uh, meandered all over the place on this one. But um, all right. So have we got five books from you yet is the question. Oh. Um, we've got, what have we got? We've got Kingdom Prologue, um, Galatians, Prologue. Luther. What else? Come on, Chris. Yep. Uh, uh, squeeze five out of you. <laughs> um, Any of the Puritans? Oh, you're over the Puritans from your PhD. You never want to read a Puritan again. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit over that. Although um, <laughs> Samuel Petto wasn't bad. Oh yeah, totally. Um, He's the subservient guy, right? Or the republication mm-hmm. guy? Yeah. I, he wasn't as close to decline as Owen, but I just appreciated um, his his extrospective um, approach. You know, look if we would just quit looking inside for our assurance, right. <laughs> we might find it faster if we look yeah. to Christ. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he was less, um, close than Owen. You say he just, he couldn't seem to get the, um, the typological nature of the works arrangement. He could definitely right. put his finger on the works principle. Right but he was really struggling to understand how it functioned. Wow. Interesting. Well, I always thought that he was probably the clearest. Maybe that's because of the Michael Brown angle and he was just, um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't read any of it. And I just sort of assumed that he had discovered, you know, this Puritan that was like basically Klein before Klein. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Owen did uh, write the, um, was it the forward to it? I mean, basically said, this is oh, a no you should read it. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hey, have you, uh, just thinking about something else now, have you, um, re- would you put Voss's biblical theology in your five books? You know, I was thinking about that. Um, either his biblical theology or his teaching on the epistle to the Hebrews. Oh, really? Wow. Um, cool. Because he just has some real paradigmatic yeah. stuff in that Hebrews book. Um, that unlocks a lot of things. No ways. Cool. That's nice. You got some commentaries. Yeah. So you got, <laughs> you can preach some sermons while you're there. On That's the right. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can preach through, uh, what do you got? Galatians and uh, Hebrews. Galatians and Hebrews. Man, those two good books, got to say. You, you know, And you could do Genesis with Klein. Man, you could start a church. <laughs> you just need like another person on the island. Um, <laughs> um, so... All right, so you got, would you not put Voss's biblical theology, really? I mean, we're down to what, four books? You got one more book left. I suppose the pressure is on. Okay, we'll go with, we'll go with Voss's biblical theology. All right, we'll, theology. He'll, we'll put him there while we're packing. You haven't left yet, <laughs> but uh, there he is on the, on the maybe list. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, because um, uh, what I was going to ask, um, uh, what was it again? Um, Voss's... Um, Oh, yes. I don't know. I've just re- recently uh, picked up a book. Man, I wouldn't put this in my in my five books, but it is excellent. It's called uh, it's by Richard Barcellas and it's called a um, the Reformed Family Tree. And mm. it compares the work of. So the whole thing he's he, he's arguing for is, you know, Vas gets gets called the um, father of biblical theology. And he's going, well, the pure Owen essentially is just a. a pre-critical biblical theologian you know uh, it, it's just that he any federal theology especially of the, of the kind of uh, Owen's federal theology 
um, conforms in every way to the basic categories of uh, of Vass's biblical theology, except he's just doing the post-critical sort of thing. And, um, and you know, <laughs> his whole thing is just to argue, hey, actually, uh, well, it, I think um, someone said someone said in response to that, it might have been, I don't know, it was someone, some big hitter said, uh, yeah, okay, well, that's fine. Oh, it was Gaffin, that's right. Uh, Richard Gaffin said, um, well, okay, we'll keep, we'll keep Vass as the father of, of biblical theology, but um, we'll make Owen the grandfather. You know, <laughs> and um, I thought that was good, but it's been a fascinating kind of uh, look at, at all of that, and and just seeing, yeah, again, just how valuable Owen was in, in just his the way he approached it. But um, where I was going with that as well, it was, um, have you read Owen's Biblical Theology, that one that got put out, that separate volume? Have you checked it out? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's doing something very different there than than Voss or totally. Cohen is doing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Have you, so you've actually read that? Because I've tried, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I got five pages into it, and I started weeping, and just uh, <laughs> for my, my gross inadequacy to... <laughs> I just, he made me, yeah, it's just not happening. Uh, I think Jim Renihan made us read five pages, and I just, I was so glad when those five pages were finished. I, I was obviously in the wrong frame of mind, but I have massive respect for you if you got through that whole book. <laughs> I I will admit to having skimmed certain places, but <laughs> right. yeah. it's just clear that he's not he's not doing what we think of as biblical theology. That's right. Yeah, I mean, with the original title was in Latin. That was a uh, scary enough. <laughs> yeah, man. I think the the phrase biblical theology is probably not even in the original or something. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know that. who came up with biblical theology as the English title for that book, but <laughs> right. Uh, one of my favorite old guys is John Gill, right? And um, okay, um, what I think as well, the whole thing it's got me thinking. Uh, reading this um, book by Richard Barcelos is, you know, he's talking about Owen the whole time. But I was thinking, um, just having read, I have read through, yeah, I want to say all of John Gill's double volume of body of doctrinal and practical divinity you know it's huge and um very very detailed and it's easier to read than own but it's um he draws on own a lot he draws on vitius a lot in fact that's why i like him gills like a a, mm. a synthesis of own and Gil, and own and vitius mm. and um and as a baptist I, I think he he leans on the right areas you know what i mean like so he's not gonna uh, even if you want to quibble with him on his doctrine of baptism and, you know, as a Presbyterian come along and go, oh, I'm not following you there. You know, I think most most Kleinians can can kind of, you know, appreciate that he's he's not going to fall on the monocovenantal side. He's going to fall on, if anything. Um, but he was well within the confessional kind of tradition and very, very astutely aware of the, you know, all the... Um, uh, dogmatics of the time leaned heavily on on 17th century Puritanism and and kind of um, yeah I suppose it falls within the categories of the reform scholastics in many ways but um, but yeah he's just uh, where was it? oh his biblical theology he does a thing he doesn't call it biblical theology either he calls it something bizarre like uh, the external works of God in time or something. Something like that, oh. you know, just basically, you know, we're out of the Trinity now and we're talking about, you know, not the eternal covenant, but but um, how this all works itself out. And uh, man, it's just I would actually I you probably wouldn't get time to read something like this. But if if you did want to just fry fry your brain a little bit thinking about this whole thing, he has got a very interesting approach to biblical theology. Mm. I think I think. Um, yeah, it's just. 
I still haven't exactly figured out everything, but he's he's not quite Reformed Baptist in the 1689 Federalist sense. So he would go against all those guys that are saying Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant is not a covenant of grace. Um, at some level, in that he would he would talk about the administration of the covenant of grace through Abraham, but at the same token, he um, he talks about the Abrahamic covenant having these um, subsets. Um, well, I don't even know what the word. If we talk about a subservience in the Mosaic covenant, um, he wants to just see that beginning a little bit. He wants to see the seedbed beginning in what happens with Abraham, which I kind of read Klein is doing too, in that, you know, we've got the whole, the covenant of grace is inaugurated, the, uh, God walks through the pieces, and then, of course, Abraham becomes this great big type of Christ um, and, and you know, is the reason, essentially, that Israel gets into the land, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, as a, you've got a, what does he call it, the grant, the, the, covenant, the grant covenant or something, yeah, um, just this big... W- uh, what picture of of what Jesus has done in the covenant of works for us, essentially. Uh, so Gil wants to do something very similar, but not quite, not, not nearly as good as Klein. But it's just very interesting to see it there. And he's sort of breaking away from everything else that I've ever read of the period. And uh, I think, you know, it's kind of, for me, it's a little hobby, like doing the whole Gil thing. Uh, every now and again, I see like people are picking up on it. And, you know, it's kind of exciting. I, I wonder I wonder if I'm onto something sometimes. I think I think he might actually be quite good you know in in, hmm. in many different ways so but for some reason he was that big high, you know he went down the hyper calvinist track big time so everyone hates him yeah. so no one wants to talk to gil you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm like dude you know at the end of the day augustine started the roman catholic church and we still talk to him and uh you know, you've got Oren carried guns in, in, in his basement, you know. <laughs> he wore makeup. He wore makeup. And, and we still talk to Oren, you know. Yeah. Uh, Hyper-Calvinism, yeah, sometimes I think they over, overplay that whole thing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and what he's also great on is the, uh, what, what, what expression did you use there? But, you know, looking to Christ, the externality of the whole thing. He wasn't hyper-Calvinist in any any typical sense there. He was very, very um, uh, encouraging of any Christian to, 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 to not look inwardly to find if they were part of the elect or anything, or, um, but to, through their, their perception of the external reality uh, and objective work of Christ, find, find all that they needed for salvation mm-hmm. or for assurance at least. So yeah, not very good. Anyways, uh, so I would put where I was going with that as well is that I would put Gil that double volume on my um, island book list. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's how good it is. And that and also because he just covers everything else. And he's the only guy alive to, oh, no, he's not alive. That's the wrong way to say it. Uh, the, <laughs> the only guy uh, in the English language, I think, to ever have written a commentary on every single verse of scripture, like legit, every single verse of scripture. And a double volume, systematic theology, and a whole bunch of. I think he ended up with like ten thousand pages of theology folio, so <laughs> just like that's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, oh man, he's got quite a story. But um, yeah, anyway, so that Gill's on my list. Uh, all right, any any last shots here, and then we'll finish off the list, and this will be this podcast. I I have no last shots. All right, I'm sorry. good. Well, there we go, guys. If you haven't read any of those. Um, those books hopefully that's helpful to you i'll put a list of all of that out on the on the blog and and uh 
yeah, link you to some PDFs or whatever we can find. Uh, but that's five books on an island. Well, four and a half for Chris. How many How many did we get for you? I think I got five. You got five. You got Voss. If you don't like Voss, yep. you can have Gil, though, just as an interest read. You know? Can we, can we trade books? We can't. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Because right. the islands Cause I wanna, are up. Now I want to read Gil. We'd have to, like, swim to each other's islands, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mike.